degrading, violent, and demoralizing. This is Service Headline News. I'm your host, Marty Smith, and I'm joined by Mr. History, Eric Oh, What's going on, fellas? And our man of the closet, Jake Wall. Surrounded by flannel, as usual. We're here to bring you the latest headlines and updates pertinent to all servicemen and women. So take your seats, get informed, and have a laugh as the Swearing and Podcast presents Service Headline News. Woo! Oh, yeah. Damn dog. And there was much rejoicing. No, the dog just came up and wanted me to throw something to her and hit the <laughs> hit the latch on my seat and I just went down six inches. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <Like a> dog. <laughs> oh, hey, man, too bad she didn't do that while you're in. That's 10% for PTSD in the space. Oh, yeah. Well, we had to go there. Space. Again. Again. <laughs> I was having a really good day. Space. Boom. Were you leading to something or? No, I was just saying I was having a really good day until he said space force. Until you said that horrible word. And then I'm like thinking, oh, you know what? Space force. You're just going to have to accept it. Eric. You know, yeah. it's funny. Guys, I went to uh, Colorado Springs with some friends. My wife had a friend in from Vegas. So we took her down to the Springs and we went to uh, Garden of the Gods, hiked around. Uh, and then we stopped at the Air Force Academy Visitor Center. Because I wanted some new new shirts, oh. and lo and behold, the Space Force has their own section now. Good, nice. No, it's ridiculous. They're just come on. It's you bad, say that man. now, but when we're fighting, I'm a, battles, I'm a negative Lucy. I just don't negative. Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it has to rhyme. It's negative Nancy. Fair enough. I'm a negative Nancy. Thank you, Jake. I'm a lowly gagging <laughs> Lucy. A lucrative Lucy. <laughs> okay, but that's that's where I was going at. So I brought yeah, lucrative Lucy is deployed on a carrier. That's well, what lucrative maybe Lucy that's is. maybe that's Eric's OnlyFans that we can't find. Uh, lucrative, lucrative Lucy. Lucy. I'm gonna have to attach a link for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. These lifts sink ships. <laughs> oh. Oh, my God. I'm not going to let my mom listen to this one. The Icy Hot (laughs) application next week. Woo-hoo. All right. But needless to say, Space Force is not my favorite. Try BioFreeze. I know it's not, Security Force guy. (laughs) But you'll be damn glad we have him in 30 years, so. I won't be here in 30 years. (laughs) You might be in space. (laughs) You might. With a bunch of Space Force people going, yeah, look at this old fucking man. It's he more about I'm probably anyway. going to be dead. Dead. Eric, lead us off into some history today, would you? All Speaking right, of I you got, being history. I got, <laughs> I got a good one for you. So, did you fellas see Oppenheimer? I know yes. I know, Marty did. Did yeah. you see it, Jake? Yep. You didn't see it? I saw uh, the Lego Opp- version. <laughs> did you Oppenheimer, go see, did yes, you go see I did. all three fucking hours of that? I did. No. It was it was crazy long, but it was really good because I had no idea of the, yeah, the acting uh, was good. I didn't realize uh, how bad he was being beat up. Yeah, yeah. So um, sticking in that area of expertise, the atomic age, right? So in August 29, 1949, the Soviets get to explode their first atomic bomb. Wow! It took them. It took them. Yeah, the How race was on, they? and it wasn't until 1949. So at a remote test site at, and I can't even say this Russian word, but it was in Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. Yeah, but that's it's a Borat. city. That's what Borat. Semi-Platinsk in Kazakhstan. Yeah, you can't. USSR successfully detonates its first atomic bomb, codenamed First Lightning. In order to measure the effects of the blast. That was Russia's first? It was. That was the interpretation. Way better than Fat Boy. (laughs) (laughs) Right? It sounds better. Big, yeah, Fat Boy, Little Boy, and Fat Man. Uh, Codename First Lightning. (laughs) In order to measure the effects of the blast, the Soviet scientists instructed buildings, bridges, and other civilian structures in the vicinity of the bomb. 
They also placed animals in cages nearby so they could test the effects of nuclear radiation on human-like mammals. The atomic explosion, which at 20 kilotons was roughly equal to Trinity, the first U.S. atomic explosion destroyed those structures and incinerated the animals. On September 3rd, a U.S. biplane flying over the coast of Siberia picked up the first evidence of radioactivity from the explosion. Later that month, President Harry S. Truman announced to the American people that the Soviets, too, had the bomb. And here's the connection, guys. Three months later, Klaus Fuchs, F-U-C-H-S, ring a bell, Marty, for the movie? Fuchs. You're right. I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. Klaus Fuchs, a German-born... I don't know how to pronounce his name. A German-born physicist hey, who had helped wait, the United give States. Us, give us a second. Did it, wait, didn't <laughs> you hear the name a dozen times in the movie? I couldn't remember how to say it. I'm oh, sorry. that's valid. That's valid. Klaus. Klaus. I like Fletcher. He's a German-born physicist who had helped the United States build its first atomic bombs yeah. and was arrested for passing nuclear secrets to the Soviets. Oh, that was the guy who they... Yeah. Okay. Klaus. While stationed at the U.S. Atomic Development Headquarters during World War II, Fuchs had given the Soviets precise information about the U.S. atomic program, including a blueprint of the Fat Man atomic bomb, later dropped on Japan, and everything that Los Alamos scientists knew about the... He gave all that shit to the Soviets? Yeah. Hypnotized hydrogen bomb. Dude, if, if we could take back all the stuff that we've invented and other countries yeah. have Great stolen mm-hmm. it would mm-hmm. mean it would be amazing right well, like but in all fairness we had to steal german oh, scientists to invent we it. stole but, a bunch of people but we sold it fair and square and well, i wouldn't say we stole them. them i think we saved them from a destructive well i think they've from being they hung yeah. in yeah. war crimes yeah so I want to finish this with a just one more oh, paragraph because you'll get a kick. Tell out me of about that. Klaus Fuchs. <laughs> On November first, nineteen fifty-two, the United States successfully detonated Mike, the world's first hydrogen bomb, on the atoll in the Pacific Marshall Islands. Mike. It was called Mike. That's that's worse than. <laughs> you want to give it a first thunder, not first lightning. Batman, a little hmm. boy. Yeah, that's the 10.4 megaton thermonuclear device instantly vaporized an entire island and left behind a crater more than a mile wide. Three years later, on November 22, 1955, the Soviet Union detonated its first hydrogen bomb on the same principle of radiation implosion. Both superpowers were now in possession of the so called super bomb, and the world lived under the threat of thermonuclear war for the first time in history. The Cold War started. There you go. Mm-hmm. So the connection between Oppenheimer and the boys over in USSR, Mr. Fuchs, yeah. Fuchs, Fuchs, <laughs> freaking traitorous pig. But, but it was funny because in the movie, they could never identify who it was until the yeah. very end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that was our, our gentleman traitor. So it, it is interesting that it took them that long what did we detonate in 45? Yeah, even though he gave them everything, they still yeah. took four more years to figure it four out. Four more years. Yeah. But I wonder if that was the uh uh yeah, you got all the plants. But remember, I, I didn't realize how big in that movie uh the um what's it the called ma- where they were uh, making the, ma- the uranium and the, the materials, right? The uranium as well yeah. as the plutonium. Oh, the fissionable making fissionable material. Yes. I didn't realize how long that took. So maybe that, that was hard. Soviets. That one marble in the jar, remember? One yeah, that was pretty jar. good. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty good. Uh, then that was August 29th when the Soviets did that? 1949. Yep. And the Cold War was on. And by the way, happy birthday to the Marine Corps yep. Reserves, same day. Marine Corps Reserves? Yep. Oh. Marine Corps Reserves. They get a birthday for the Reserves? They do. Yeah. Must be a lesser known birthday. I don't know what don't the year get, was. They but don't it was get August two 29th. layers on their cake. They it was August twenty. <laughs> All right, let's get on to the news. Uh, a lot of bad news, right? A lot of uh, yeah, 
the three the three pilots in the Marines passed. Uh, yeah. I can't remember how 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 many more were there. Eight more guys on that Osprey that went down. There's an F thirty five Marine pilot that went down. So uh, let's go on to some happier news. I like Where it. do we go for happy news? We go to the Coast Guard. I thought you were going to say freaking <laughs> Space Force. Well, wh- where do we go for operational <laughs> news? And that is the Coast Guard. Yeah, uh, the Coast Guard. Right, right. Um, so hail to the Coast Guard again. Uh, and Eric, I need you to weigh in on this story. All right. right on. Because it's about divers. Mm-hmm. So from taskandpurpose.com, how the Coast Guard rescued four lost divers. All right. All right. So guess which four are the divers that were in the water for 12 hours? I can already tell. It ain't the ones on the left. <laughs> no, it's the young kid with the water bottle on his shoulder. It's the four guys with no undershirt on. Right on. Yeah, yeah they just got, they're just wearing coveralls. It's manly it. chest stuff going on. So the Coast Guard yeah. and Navy rescued four lost divers 46 miles from shore after an air crew spotted their flashlight with night vision equipment. The four divers had been missing. For about 14 hours, and the sun had set long ago. It was a moonless night, and the only means they had to mark their position was one flashlight. Uh, Despite the long odds, a Coast Guard plane managed to spot the divers in the middle of the endless ocean and call in a Navy destroyer to pick them out of the water. The four divers, whose ages range, range from 16 to 64, have been diving with scuba gear about 63 miles east of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina when they went missing on August 13th. The group had gone spearfishing that morning, but the current and strong seas caused the divers to resurface far from their boat. Uh, The boat driver reported the divers, I guess so far that the boat driver was like, hey, these guys are missing. I don't know where they are. Yeah, I guess so when they came up, they couldn't see it. I it already sounds fishy. So if they are not with a group and a dive master... There should have been a dive buoy that somebody was holding as they're diving and moving along. The buoy's on the surface, so the boat can track the buoy. Well, it sounds like they didn't take any of those precautions. Well, so that's that's a problem. So the boat driver reported the divers missing at 2 p.m. Clearly it was a problem, eh? Yeah. <laughs> for 12 hours. That's a good call. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, you're, you're so mad at them. <laughs> I'm upset with the fact that you get into water that you automatically feel you, that you're drifting because I've, I've been on many drift dives in Mexico and, and it's because you're doing a drift dive that your driver follows your bubbles or the okay. buoy. Yeah. So without, with a drift, they should have immediately surfaced, let their, their driver know, Hey, we're moving fast. You need yeah. to stay with us or have a buoy that the, the driver can trip check well it sounded like they had neither yeah because right when they came up even the boat guy couldn't find because the boat guy was the one who reported called him in yeah yeah um the coast guard cutter yellowfin coast guard cutter saltfish an mh60 jayhawk helicopter from coast guard air station elizabeth city north carolina and an hc-130j hercules from elizabeth city all scoured the ocean in search of the missing divers uh, finding divers in the water is difficult in any conditions and searches for them are often unsuccessful because they wear dark wetsuits. Why? I, I want to ask that. Why? Yeah. What is, what is the deal with that? Like, why we, not make every wetsuit safety orange or something like that? <laughs> freaking well, they, they have a, zebra stripe or something. Yeah, right? something like, white. They have yeah. them. It, it is interesting. Is black. <clears throat> Yeah, mine was black. And Slimming, I, I Marty, was a shorty wetsuit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you'd like to see Eric in his slimming wetsuit, you can join his Patreon or his OnlyFans. Find the link. The link will be attached. <laughs> International man of history. Woo! At OnlyFans. Making things even more difficult, it was pitch black as the HC-130J looked for the four divers. Basically, what saved their lives was they had MVGs and the divers had a flashlight. So they were able to spot them. The Coast Guard spotted them. They called in uh, a, the Navy. I'm trying to see where the ship was. 
but they call it, but it got sh uh, shipped over to a, a Navy boat that came over. That Coast Guard dropped a, a raft for him. The Navy came in uh, and picked him up out Big of the raft. So I, I find it, I'd like to know who was the most qualified diver and how much experience uh, they right, had. Right. Maybe because it was a, maybe it was a 16 year old in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Dad, I got you. Because, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take you know, a, a brain scientist to go, hey, if we're drifting, can you tell moving, if you have no reference under there, right? If you're you can tell if you're drifting, you're oh, moving. You can, you can okay. absolutely. You if can. there's a current, you will move and you will know it. Really? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Okay. All right. I just yeah. thought if with no <clears throat> reference, it's like, how do you know you're drifting around, right? Yeah. No, you can tell. I mean, I knew guys um, that we dove with in Mexico. That would have a board, a, a you know, a whiteboard that you could write underwater and tell, hey, oh, we're drifting. Yeah. You know, if you separate from us, yeah. surface immediately, let the boat know, so we would all stay together. Okay. Yeah. yeah so we wouldn't lose touch. Right, and so. so now that you're saying that, that is crazy that these guys drifted that far and didn't that even the boat couldn't see them. Yeah. God yeah. dang. So. And that's why I said, if you know you're drifting. Yeah. You need to at least surface right away and let the boat know before you're three miles away, four miles away. Yeah, sure, sure. So, maybe there and most there. divers have some type of noisemaker. Like I had a whistle attached to my BCD. So if I was in the water and I surfaced and the boat oh. was still far away, I could whistle. <laughs> it echoes. So... There's know. there's safety precautions to take. I, I think that was just for some reason plan. I had underwater whistle and I was like, hmm. <laughs> no, how well on the can, surface. How well can that work? <laughs> <laughs> I I, th I think it was poor planning. I, I don't know for sure, but it certainly sounds. Oh, absolutely. Poor planning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But Coast Guard found them, um, uh, and, and they they have some video where it's just all it's gray because they're looking for through NVGs, and you know sh it's shadow on shadow. But, and I, I will tell you guys right now, when you are bobbing in the water on the surface at night without a flashlight, that is some scary shit. Because yeah. all you see is jaws in your mind coming after <laughs> you of some sort. I'm telling you, I do. I did many night dives, and the only time I ever got nervous is on the surface waiting for the boat to come. Pick oh, me no up. kidding. Because and I had my flashlight still on. I was constantly looking around to make sure that was coming up. But that used to scare the shit out of me. I can imagine. So, uh, it's so dark. I mean, the, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Especially crazy. on a moonless night. Yeah. Moonless it's night. Black. Nothing. You got no light. Yeah, ambient light at all. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Just dark. And when you do a night dive, you take a primary light and a backup. Every diver should have a primary flashlight and a backup flashlight. Well, it sounds like they had at least one of them one. saved their lives. So. Yeah. Well, and they probably mm -hmm. hadn't planned on a night dive, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, I, that's probably true. You know? That's probably I mean, the, true. The yeah. guy reported him missing at two two in the afternoon. Yeah. So, uh, all right. You guys familiar with uh, Air Force Academy football uniforms? Cool. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of plain, but they're kind of classic, right? I think they're. Uh, they got the lightning bolt on the helmet, or yeah, the, the, AF. the white helmet with the blue lightning bolt, and I yep. think it's just yeah. blue and white. I think do they have a lightning? I think they have a the, silver one too. Do they have a lightning bolt like the Chargers do on the side of their pants, or is it just? It's a, a different. Yeah, it's on but their it helmet. I don't lightning. think it's on their pants. I don't think they have a lightning bolt. Oh, they got one on their sh on their shoulder. I think right. The well, see Eric in the lightning bolt on his pants outfit. <laughs> I had a good photo shoot with that. Eric's <laughs> pants <laughs> lightning. They call him gray lightning. <laughs> gray lightning. Don't blink, ladies. It only flashes once. <laughs> we may have to... Edit this particular piece. Oh no, gonna, that's gonna run. That's the theme today. I need only serious visitors to my site. No, you just need people to pay seven ninety nine. Hey, traffic's traffic, Eric. You don't care. Just wanna traffic's traffic. You don't care who's on the other side of those clicks. <laughs> oh man, I'll tell now, you what. Going back to what we were talking about, 
all, all the services, when they go to their alternate uniforms, yeah. especially the Army, they had one last year that had a tank on the side of their helmet, and the helmet was that subdued black. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Son of a bitch, that looked good, man. Uh, a couple of years ago, they had a 25th Infantry Division one. I ordered that shirt. In fact, I ordered the shirt for this one from the Air Force. That's pretty cool. Oh, did you? Yeah, it's very, it's pretty cool. Um, but the Air Force, so they, what they did was they, they came out with uh, uh, an alternate uniform that they're going to wear against Navy. And they debuted it. But... The, this is from the Air Force Times. The Air Force, they call it the Doolittle football uniform mm, yeah. uh, f- after uh, Colonel Doolittle. So the Air Force defends the Doolittle football uniform from online critics. Which is always a critic, right? Who cares? First of all, don't address it. <laughs> just don't address it. Well, that's true. You're just like, yeah, suck it. Yeah, we're gonna do it anyway. We're gonna do it anyway. Yeah. So this should. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'll just let you. See, I think that shit looks cool, man. Yeah, that bomber's really cool. So, um, <clears throat> the Air Force Academy has a new alternate uniform honoring airmen that carried out the World War II Doolittle raid on Japan. Uh, the Falcons' alternative uniform unveiled last week will honor the pilots and crew of the 1942 Doolittle raid on Tokyo and other Japanese cities after the Japanese bombing of Pearl Harbor. One of the Academy's posts on X has racked up nearly 8 million views. Wow. 8 million? How do you get 8? Oh, no, that's Air Force Academy. We can't get... <laughs> well, we got 1,000. We did um, get 1,000. Comments have ranged from awesome uniforms honoring our heroes to this is awful taste and zero class. I totally uh, disagree with that. I, I do too. The uniforms themselves feature a chrome helmet with a B25 with B25 on the front, uh, right where the you know that that holds the face mask, and nicknames of specific planes or Doolittle on the back, honoring Lieutenant Colonel James H. Jimmy Doolittle, who led the attack. Um, the decision to honor <clears throat> the Raiders has caused some negative pushback. Wait, okay, wait. So just for the civilians out there, the Doolittle Raiders, Japan had bombed the the U.S., right? Yeah. We could not get anywhere close to bombing Japanese mainland. No. Like, we were nowhere near it. And actually, Japan and, counted on that because they exactly. knew we didn't have anything that could range. They, we had nothing within that range. And these guys modified an aircraft beyond oh, anything anything close to anything flight specs they were the first guys to take bombers off of an aircraft carrier and not one of the huge aircraft carriers we see today this is a prop yeah a prop aircraft taking off of a short moving freaking carrier in northern freaking atlantic water or northern pacific waters and the best case scenario if everything went right they would probably crash in mainland China. Escape. Occupied by friendly. But mm. Probably. They took Worst off. scenario you die, most of them took off knowing full well they would never even get close to me. They weren't coming back to the car- carrier. Right, right. Yeah. Much less the land. Yeah. yeah. They would take off, and their best case scenario is they crash in, Ch- in China. That's crazy. And hope that it's not Japanese ag- occupied. And they had. And the- the killer part, every one of them volunteered to go because do little yeah, ass. Right. They you volunteered don't have to go. And they had no weapons. They had nothing. nothing but gas and bombs on the plane. They they had to strip down everything out of that aircraft off the people, basically, just to m- hope to make it into a bad situation. That whole you know? sequence, that whole sequence was actually the saving grace of Pearl Harbor, the movie. Yeah. They actually oh, did yeah. that that part well. Yeah. yeah. Um, On this uniform, Marty, Jake, the rivets around the, the numbers. Yeah, yeah I do cool. like the rivets. Right? Yeah. That yeah. is so cool, yeah. man. So they've got numbers on. Their numbers look like riveted metal. That really shit cool. is cool. But here's where some of the pushback came, right? The, the, the decision to honor the Raiders has caused some negative pushback. Some found it distasteful and dishonorable to use the quote-unquote ambush as something to showcase on a football uniform. 
Other social media users disliked the correlations between football and war. And it's that it was the Air Force. And that, and that it was honoring the bombing of a country that is currently a US ally. That's you know, you got you yeah. work in really hard to find uh, uh, uh disrest yes. or unrest with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. First Here's of all, a, it's oh, a military ahead. branch academy. Yeah. Their yeah. whole job is, is to, to bomb and kill shit. Yeah. The only reason Japan is an ally now. Is it's because, because they bombed the living piss out of most of their islands. Thank you, Sir Jake. You said right? it well. Like, right. That's the only reason. What a terrible argument. That is just a retarded argument. I, 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 I hear you. But here's here's the best one, right? So I'm biased uh, though. The Air Force Academy had a post that uh they show they showed maybe in there, but the guy's in full uh football uniform and he's holding a headline. That says Tokyo bomb and the quote, the Japanese were apparently entirely unprepared for our arrival. So he's, he's, they posted him in his uniform, like holding a newspaper headline that said that. So this guy responded, I got to give him props. This guy said, oof, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people died and we get a post like this while Air Force can't throw the ball 20 yards downfield. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's that true. They do run sense. the option offense, and they yeah. rarely throw the ball. So uh, that's the by the way. Thing. I think you'll see a little change in that this year. By the way, why is that? Oh, you got some inside scoop. Well, I think Calhoun likes his new quarterback, and I think you're going to see him spread the ball around a little more, really? other than a three man option. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, based on the talent, if he's got the talent. Yep. You know, we're more Dallas, spreading of Dallas, balls I around. I remember when D Dallas was Please throwing the ball all over. Eric's only fan page. <laughs> I sneak, can't wait to see how many people are. Wouldn't you like to For see a the sneak peek of ball spreading? Hey, I'm trying to find this guy, Eric Peratt's only fans freaking link. I can't find it. It's, 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 it's Mr. History. That's what this <laughs> is. Uh, the Doolittle uniforms get their first outing on October 21st for the game against the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. I think they're awesome. That'll be cool. Yeah. I think they're awesome. Uh, I wonder what the Navy's alternate uniform looks like this year. Because they, I remember they one year they had too, the big yeah. aircraft carrier on the side. That oh, was, they did. No, I that was cool that too. Really How cool. dare they? Yeah. How dare they have <laughs> a vehicle of war on the side of their helmet like that? Dude, I think the service academies do it right. Was it the uniforms. USS Enterprise? Which version of the USS Enterprise? <laughs> All right, let's move on to sports. sports. From, stripe, from stripes.com. Uh, from World War II to Wimbledon, test pilot turned tennis champ Vic Satius is turning 100 tomorrow on August 30th. He's turning Happy birthday, man. That's amazing. Nice. 100 years old. That's that's badass. I'm not sure uh, I'm going to see 100. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Seems uh, like a lot. Does it does? There he is. That's me. Always got the Hap Arnold wings on. That's Vic Satius. That's how you say his last name. All right, Uh, looking good back in the day, buddy. uh, A champion of multiple multiple major tennis tournaments, who also flew over the Pacific as a U.S. Army Air Corps test pilot, which is kind of a misnomer. He's not. He wasn't really a test pilot. Well, he was, but not in the classic sense of a Chuck Yeager test pilot. Um, uh, he plans to celebrate his hundredth birthday on Wednesday. Tomorrow. Wow! Vic Satius, a, na- a native of Philadelphia, uh, was playing tennis at a university in northern or North Carolina when World War II broke out. So he got commissioned as a second lieutenant in 1943 and trained as a pilot. Satius said he deployed to New Guinea. I was hmm. stationed at an Army Air Corps depot that assembled aircraft and repaired planes that were already there. The planes he took up for test flights in New Guinea, P-38 Lightning, P-40 Warhawk, P-47 Thunderbolt, and P-51 Mustang. Oh, he threw some badass planes. A-20 Havoc, B-25 Mitchell, and B-24 Liberator. They arrived on cargo ships. There were a few of us that checked them out and made sure they were okay, he added. Dude, Uh, I like how that is so subdued. He's like, Cavalier. we just checked them. We checked them yeah. out, made sure they were okay. 
first of all, do. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different airframes, seven different airframes, and not just all like heavies, not all bombers. No, he's got freaking fighters, fighters. in there. He's got a, yeah. tw- a he's got two bombers, all I'm made like, by different companies. So, you know, it's not like, uh, oh, I jumped into, uh, uh, a Chevy Colorado and then a Chevy Equinox and then a Chevy yeah. Malibu and they're all the same, you know. No. And, and you're novice. Douglas, you know. So then you wouldn't understand the difference in how intricate those airframes are from each other. Right. Right. Oh man. But you're Pretty right. Amazing. He's all cavalier. He's like, yeah, we just get in and we take them up yeah, for a while. Make sure they're okay. <laughs> yeah. That's all you do. And um, he's turning a hundred. Even better. <sighs> So he said he didn't have any real harrowing experiences as a test pilot. Just doing it would seem harrowing. Uh, we were there to find out. I mean, I mean, if you get into a five ton or a deuce and a half, those are two different driving trucks. Right? Yes, they are. They're two different driving trucks. Now he's getting into a P-38, a twin boom fighter, and a B-24 Liberator. Completely different. Yeah. Like, yeah, no big deal. No and I can't imagine all the controls are the same. They're not even close. I, that, exactly. It's like, oh, uh, the ignition's up here this time. It's not down here by my feet. Yeah, it's it's like saying I'm fluent in 18 foreign languages. <laughs> hmm. Jeez. So uh, he got out in 1946, started playing tennis, was a great uh, amateur champion. He turned pro in 68. Uh, he won Wimbledon in 1953 and the U.S. Open in 1954. Damn. So, wow. And he's turning 100. That still is, blows me away. Yeah. Yep. Happy birthday, so, Vic. In honor of Vic's 100th birthday, I thought I'd put you through another round of Guess the Branch. Well, hold on, though. You missed, like, his greatest achievement. Well, I did. What? Is, is being honored... On the Smucker's Top 100. Oh, I missed that completely. Yeah, remember that? That jelly, it, the Smucker's Jelly brings they out the birthdays the every year. No, no, it's on like Good Morning America or some crap. Oh, like, oh. Uh, Smucker's have sponsored the people turning 100 for Oh, wow, that's forever. cool. Really? Yeah, yeah the that. Smucker's Top 100 right there. Well, I'm glad you picked that up. Good one. Good You're welcome. That's amazing. Happy birthday, Vic, from Smuckers. <laughs> uh, so I thought I'd put you two through another round of Guess the Branch, but this is the athlete version. The athlete version. Right. And I put a little more, more information <clears throat> on there this time, so it's a little bit better read instead of just like who they are. Because uh, you'll probably guess the branch on most of these. There's not that variant. There's not that much variance on these guys, and you may guess them, but there's a little bit more uh, history on these guys. All right. Can you see it? Yep. So I start off with the easy one, Pat Tillman, right? All right, Pat. Pat Rangers. So he played for the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, He played four seasons, 98 to 2001, Uh, 374 tackles, three interceptions, two and a half sacks. And he went into the army. God, I got too many things open. The army. Uh, That's a damn shame. Yeah. He's an army from 2002 to 2004. The hell of a jawline right there. Oh, yeah. I think he's got a brother that looks real similar to him, too, I think. Um, He's got the look of a badass. I am a badass. I am who do you? Do bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. He enlisted in the Army. He gave up his career. He was a safety. He gave up his career, enlisted in the Army after 9-11. He was part of the Army's invasion of Iraq in September 2003 uh, before being deployed to Afghanistan. So he went to Iraq and then got shipped over to Afghanistan, where he was killed by friendly fire in April 2004. Fratricide. He was posthumously awarded with numerous decorations, including Purple Heart, Silver Star, promotion of Corporal, and having his jersey retired by both Arizona State and the Arizona Cardinals. But, you know, the, the thing that blows me away about that is not that he gave up his NFL career, but he gave up his NFL career and went enlisted when he could have – he could he had a degree. He could have gone yeah. – Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he – they promoted him uh, – 
posthumously to Corporal. This is a guy who was making at least a couple mil a year. Easily. Yeah. True patriot. No doubt about it. A lot of respect for that guy, man. Uh, okay. Next, you probably know. These first couple are gimmies. Okay. Next up, David Robinson. You're in the oh, Navy now. Navy. Well, Navy. That's right. He was in the Navy from 87 to 89. Uh, I guess he was, uh, he didn't start playing ba- basketball until late. So, uh, he took the SAT. He got a 1320 on his SAT. Holy shit. So he got an academy, Naval Academy posting. Um, he grew. Uh, well, he was 6'6 as a senior. He had grown to 6'8 when he started college and was two inches above the Navy height limit. He received a waiver to gain acceptance and was a staff officer in the Civil Engineer Corps. After being selected number one in the 87 draft, Robinson fulfilled his two-year commitment as a civil engineering officer before making his debut with the San Antonio Spurs in 1989. Very cool. Two-time champion, one-time MVP. That's a hell of a sack score, too, man. Damn. 1320, yeah. Smart dude, yep. All right, classic. Roger Staubach. You're in the Navy, oh! He was in the Navy. That's why I put those up there, because I figured you would know these, right? Yeah. Uh, Roger Staubach, 11 seasons, 69 to 79. Uh, two-time Super Bowl champion, 22,700 passing yards. He was in the Navy from 1965 to 1969. After graduating from the Naval Academy in 65, he had a four-year military commitment and spent time spent part of that time in Vietnam. He's a supply corps officer for one year during the war and then spent the rest of his commitment in the United States. While still with the Navy in 68, Staubach used his annual military leave to attend the Dallas Cowboys rookie camp and officially joined the team <laughs> one year later. That's cool. That's pretty badass. Okay. Now here's here's where it starts. Where I'm not sure if you know who these guys are. A lot of them are old guys. This first one's really old guy, but you should recognize <laughs> the names, right? Ty Cobb. Ooh. Right? Definitely recognizing from the baseball career, yeah. not the baseball, not the military career. Military career. So he but- played he played Major League Baseball for 24 seasons from 1905 to 1928. Four seasons. Look at that batting average. Lifetime batting average of 366. Yeah, you don't see that anymore. <laughs> well, of for, course, you didn't have the pitching that they had. Then, right. right? Uh, yeah, 366 average I, for 24, 24 years. 24 years. Not five that's, years. You're like, whoa, right. 366. That's impressive. How about 24? You're that's like, pretty geez, badass. Man. Yeah. He was 1911 MVP and he was a 12 time batting champion. So, Eric, what branch was he in? So, here's my thinking. So, there's no Air Force. I mean, you had the Navy and the Army, Marines, but I'm going to go Army. I, this says Army to me. All right. I'll, I'll lean Navy. Oh. He was in the Army. Oh. <laughs> nice. In 1918. World War One. Wow, so middle. So uh, he spent sixty-seven days in France as part of the chemical warfare branch of the army. He was given the role of captain, and I I I like this part. In his group uh, were Christy Matthewson and George Sisler, two other players in the Baseball Hall of Fame. They trained soldiers and prepped for chemical attacks by exposing them to gas chambers. That contributed to Christy Matheson. Contracting tuberculosis. Oh, <laughs> well, well, well done. Oh. <laughs> we Ty strike Cobb again, man. Very strike good, Eric. Up on Jake early. Joe Lewis. Boxer. 1934 to 1951. 66 and three. Man. With 52 knockouts. And he was a heavyweight champion once. 1935, he was the AP Athlete of the Year. What is your branch guess, Jake? I'm going Navy again. Yeah, you remember the the last time we did this, and I always said, it seems that the African Americans always wanted to be in the Navy. Oh, here we go. This well, you remember I said that, right? I yes, we yeah. remember you said that. So, um, Surprisingly, I, I got no comments on that. Yeah. 
I am going to go with Jake. I think he's Navy. Joe Lewis was in the Army. Oh, 1942 to 1945. Joe Lewis was in the middle of his reign as heavyweight champion when the attack on Pearl Harbor took place. One month later, Lewis enlisted in the Army where he was placed in the Special Services Division rather than being sent into combat. That was so the Army could take advantage of his popularity, and he took part in nearly 100 boxing exhibitions to entertain fellow soldiers. That's just like Captain America. Yeah. He's got the face of a Marine, man, doesn't he? Uh, he's, yeah, he's got the face of somebody you don't want to mess with. That's no sure. doubt. No way. He did, <laughs> did defend his... Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to comment on that last line. Oh, he defended his title twice during a three-year stint and was released from military service in October 1945. Yeah, so the Army released him. They're like, okay, go defend your title. And then he comes back and then... He's still on in the oh, army. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're like, just go do that on leave. Or do you think <laughs> yeah. it was a P- was it a TDY or something? Well, he's kind of the forefather of the uh, all-army boxing team or all-army football team or softball team. You know, the mm. guy's in, yeah. but his unit never sees him. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounded like he was just doing – I don't know if he was doing money raises or, or, or what, but pretty bad. I mean, pretty badass. Have a heavyweight champ who decided to get in. No doubt. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right. Yogi Berra, famous catcher Yogi. for the Yankees. Yogi Berra. He played 19 seasons from 46 to 63. Uh, and then another season in 65. He's a three-time MVP, 10-time World Series winner. That's crazy. 10 times World but, Series. You know, that was a handful of teams back then. Wow. Right? There was 10, 12 teams or whatever. Yankees. Yankees. 18-time All-Star. <clears throat> All right, Eric, Good your man. turn. You're up one nothing. So I played baseball and I was a catcher. And I always thought I was a badass. So I'm thinking Yogi was a Marine. Ooh. He was a catcher. He was a Marine. That's good logic. I like it. <laughs> I'm going Army. I'm leaning Army. Only it stayed on Navy. <laughs> oh, oh, come on. <laughs> I go back to half a point because the Marines fall under the Navy. <laughs> no. <laughs> you do not. We've already disputed that, and you've lost that. I got you. Navy, 1943 and 1945. Yogi Bear's time with the Navy took place before his Major League Baseball career began, and it started when he was just 18 years old. A month after his 19th birthday, Bear was on Utah Beach during D-Day. It was part wow. of a six-man crew on a Navy rocket boat. I didn't know we had those. That's cool. The boat fired machine guns and launched rockets while also being fired upon, but Barrow was never hit. So, oh, wow. Yogi I'm Barrow sure he's seen a few things. I'd love yeah. But, you know, that, that life was so hard for those guys. That was like nothing to them. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. So, all right. Chuck Bednarik. Jeez, look at that guy, though. Like. Yeah. Played for the Philadelphia Eagles. The linebacker, wasn't he? For, uh, linebacker or defensive line? I can't remember which one. 14 well, seasons here, from 49 to 62, two-time NFL champion, eight-time Pro Bowler, 20 interceptions. So that does lead me to believe that maybe he was the linebacker. Linebacker, yeah. But look Did at that, that number. That's, that's dude. That is Marine all the way. Yeah, that's yeah. It, he. Yeah, he looks like a Marine. That says I'm going to be a Marine. Chuck Bignarik was in the. Air Force. Oh my God! Are you serious? The Army Air Corps from forty-three to forty-five. After graduating high school in nineteen forty-three, Chuck Bednarik joined oh, the Air man. Force as a waste gunner in a B twenty-four Liberator. I'll be damned. He took part in thirty bombing missions over Germany. He was awarded an Air Medal and four Battle Stars. He then returned home, attended Penn, played for Philadelphia Eagles, nicknamed Concrete Charlie. Bednarik was the last of the NFL's 60-minute men and played both center and linebacker. Wow. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> he never came off the field. He's an Iron Man. The whole time. For 14 years. Jesus. For 14 years. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> well, look at his nose. It only looks like it's been broke on yeah, the picture on the left. Right. 30 right. times, the guy went on the right. Like, right. wow. Uh, okay. We're still one to nothing. You guys haven't gotten a point yeah, yet. Geez. We're horrible at this. I guess I'm going to stop going on appearance. Oh. 
Arnold Palmer. Arnold was in the military, huh? Arnold Not only a delicious tea lemonade drink. My <laughs> wife said the same thing. Yeah, nice. See, uh, but I'm I'm going. Uh, oh, did you want to read out his stats first? Sorry, buddy. his pro career was 54 to 2006, 62 PGA Tour wins, seven major championships, two-time PGA Tour Player of the Year. Ooh. Wow, hell of a golfer. Yeah. Jake, who do you think? What do you think? Air Corps. Mm -hmm. Army Air Corps. Air Force. Air Force. Air Force. Well, we've relaxed. The judges have relaxed their stance on our Air Air Corps and Air Force. All right. I'm going to go Army. And Arnold Palmer was in the... Coast Guard. Horrible at this. 1951 to 1954, Arnold Palmer was attending Wake Forest on a golf scholarship when he dropped out in 1951 to enlist in the Coast Guard. While at the Coast Guard Training Center in New Jersey, Palmer designed and built his first golf course, a nine-hole pitch-and-putt layout. He was discharged in 1954. I wonder if it was just, you know, I want to do my time for the country, serve my country kind of thing. Maybe. (laughs) Or maybe it's like, uh, uh, hey, I don't want them to come out. I don't know. I don't think there was a draft back then. Yeah, I think they had done away with the draft, but maybe, maybe. Well, no, because in Vietnam, they were still being drafted. But if if you're into designing golf courses or playing golf, the Coast Guard would probably give you the best shot to play here in the United States. Constantly. I wouldn't have thought Coast Guard. Right. I um, got to be honest. Yeah. After all our phrasing of the Coast Guard, yeah. it wasn't even on my list. No, I know. Sure. I know. It's like if I said Merchant Marines, you know, that kind of You're like, what? That's not a thing, is it? Eric, do you think Arnold Palmer's better known for his individual accomplishments or for his golf course designs? individual accomplishments on the golf course. Because I think he's like the foremost golf course designer. Well, he was. He's or he, Yeah, he was. Yeah. I uh, know. I, I still believe what he obtained individually seven, as a golfer. Seven is, major is, championships. Yeah, it's bad. huge. Yeah. I mean, you, got, you cannot disqualify the drink either. No. <laughs> the Arnold it is light Palmer. and refreshing. That's true. That's a that's a content idea for you, Eric. <laughs> okay. Just wear your golf bottoms drinking an Arnold Palmer. Right on. With your putter in your hand. <laughs> I only do that on OnlyFans. That's what I'm saying. That's content. Yeah, that's my there putter. Ted Williams. Ted Williams. Baseball, 19 seasons, Ooh, 1939 Ted. to 42 and 46 to 60. Two-time MVP, two-time Triple Crown, 521 home runs. That thing. Big Ted was in the Air Force. Elevator. Um, uh, let's go back to the Navy. Oh. I'm purely just guessing. Just Look at that. Here. He's a Marine? So Ted Williams had two stints. Oh, yeah. Navy and Marine. Navy. He was in the Navy from 42 to 46, and then he got called back. While he was in the Marine Reserves from 52 to 53. So, wow. So, I get Williams. one and a half points for that because the Marines are half. Hey, Navy. we'll give you one. <laughs> we'll give you one. Hey, didn't they? There, I know, like Pappy Boyington, right? He was in two services. Was he? Yeah, he flew in China. With the Flying Tigers before becoming a Marine. Oh yeah, but they were they were kind of mercenaries. What I was getting at is, I think they bounced around services a lot more frequently than that they was do. easier. Yeah, yeah, probably I think a lot they less went back and forth. To do. Yeah. So he was a naval aviator during World War II, but was allowed to leave training in nineteen. 19- this <laughs> this <is> crazy. <laughs> so he signs up. He goes through Navy training, and then in forty two, uh, he's allowed to leave training to go accept his Triple Crown award. And then right back into training. He developed into such a good pilot that he became a flight instructor. In the six years in between his two stints, Williams won two MVP awards and his second Triple Crown. For his second stint, he played in just six games of the 1952 season before being recalled to active duty for the Korean War. 
He was the captain of the Marine Corps Reserves at this point and was deployed for 15 months. Williams flew a total of 39 missions and earned many accolades and medals during his military tenure. He was my hero for dating Marilyn Monroe. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, let's look at this guy. He's he's playing for the Red Sox, triple crown hitter, probably the best hitter in baseball mm. at that time. Goes in the Navy, becomes a pilot. And badass, good at it. Right? Goes back, plays some more baseball, wins some more championships. Goes back as a mm. Marine. Now he's a Marine pilot. Actually goes for 15 months, and then he gets with Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, he's my Ace. hero. <laughs> I know. Arthur Ashe, tennis player Arthur Ashe. Wow. His pro career was 1969-1980. I'm not going to read those stats. It's crazy. Uh, He's a three-time Grand Slam winner and the 1975 ATP Player of the Year. Hell of a tennis player, man. Yeah? Yeah? Holy cow. Was he the first black male tennis player to have that much success? I don't know. I don't either. But they never, they never, you know, they hang that title on everything nowadays. Yeah. Um, but I, I never heard him referred to as the first play. He was just a great tennis player. Yeah. I guess that's where we need to go anyway, right? All right. Not dithering around. What's this one's on Jake? Oh, it's on me. Mm-hmm. You tied well, up one to one finally. Right. Well, I'm gonna go to uh I'm going counter Eric and go on army. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you, buddy. I'm not going to go Navy. Why not? You're breaking your own rule. Because I don't think he was in the Navy. I actually think he was in the Army, too. Because of the time frame. Arthur Ashe was in the Army. 1966 to 1969. He played tennis. Uh, he was a tennis player, was a member of ROTC during his time at UCLA. After graduating in 66, he joined the Army where he worked as a data processor at West Point. Oh, nice. Uh, this little bit here. While in the Army, Ash had to maintain his amateur status in tennis since there wasn't enough time for him to be both a pro and an active Army member. As a result, when Ash won the $14,000 first pro- place prize at a tournament, he could not accept it and instead wow. just got 280 bucks and a $20 <laughs> stipend for 14 days. That's so, that's so sucky. Yeah, man, that's rough. Well, well done, Army. Well, you, well, well, like 14 grand's nothing to laugh at now, but back then, 14, hell yeah. 14 grand 60, in the yeah, 66 60. area. Yeah. I bought you two new houses, man. <laughs> yeah, could have been. Two new houses, <laughs> yeah. six grand. Oh, how how about we whittle it down to two hundred and eighty dollars? <laughs> yeah, I'll get you a nice call. I'm sorry, Arthur. That was bad. That was bad. Yeah. Uh, they got Ken you good. Norton Senior, boxer Ken Norton Senior. His pro career went from sixty-seven to eighty-one. He was forty-two and seven with thirty-three KOs, and he beat Ali. And he was so, a one-time heavyweight champion again, early sixties, late fifties. I'm gonna go army. Okay. We're two um, two now since you both bailed on on the navy and chose army. So yeah, I'll I'll two. make it fun and, and we'll go navy. Right. <laughs> it was in the Marines. Jeez. Uh, 1963 to 1967. He was nicknamed the Fighting Marine. Ken Norton took up boxing while serving in the Marines. He won three All Marine heavyweight titles, and oh, then decided man. to turn pro. After being discharged. Wow. So the Marines started him in boxing. He was a terror. Wow. <laughs> he was a terror while he was in. Ken Norton Sr. in the Marines. Rocky Blyer. I know oh, this one. I think I misspelled that. Rocky Blair. Rocky oh, good. Blyer. That works. That works, Eric, because you have to go first. Yeah, he was Army. Yeah. Uh, uh, Rocky Blyer played for Pittsburgh Steelers for 11 seasons. Uh, four-time Super Bowl champion, thirty-eight hundred rushing yards, twenty-five touchdowns. I seen a special one. He was Army. Oh, well, I'm, I'll I'll go Might Army well jump too. Jump on then. that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rocky Blyer was in the Army, nineteen sixty-eight to sixty-nine. Now read this little. 
So after playing, uh, after limited playing time as a rookie with the Pittsburgh Steelers in 68, Rocky Blyer was drafted into the Army for the Vietnam War where he operated a grenade launcher. His group was ambushed and had a grenade land near them, which caused shrapnel into his lower leg and resulted in the loss of part of his foot. Yeah. He went through several surgeries but vowed to return to the football field after getting a letter in the hospital from Steelers owner Art Rooney. Blyer spent the entire 1970 season on injured reserve while rehabbing, then returned to the field in 1971 and played 10 more years. Like it's nothing. Yep. <laughs> Missing part of Good your foot. Nick. Yeah. These guys, guys were tough, man. It's tough. That, uh, I mean, so, that kind of injury today, you think, oh my God, how yeah, could this guy even walk? Right. Right. Rocky wow. Blyer in the Army. Hard to claim 100%. If you go lose a half a foot and then hey, <laughs> can I get ten percent for this? They're like, aren't you making yeah. uh, several hundred? Yeah, exactly. Hey, before you start on this guy, yeah. he works out at my gym. Currently, Bob Bobby Lash, he works out Bobby at Lash Fitness in Parker. Kidding me? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, did. yeah. So. Um, All your unauthorized gym pictures of Bobby Lashley, you go see <laughs> Mr. History's only thing. Bobby Lashley, oh. uh, pro wrestling and mixed martial arts. He started in 2005, is 11-time champion, six-time world champion, and a 15-2 MMA record. So if you're out in your gym, do you know what branch of service is? I believe I do. Oh. Oh man, it's my turn to go first. Well, wait, yeah. wait, wait! Oh, that's tough. That's, yep. Oh, that's a lot of pressure, Jake. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> he looks like an army guy. Okay. I I'm pretty sure. No, I'm not gonna say I'm pretty sure. I think he's Air Force. Oh. Bobby Lashy was Army 2000 oh, to 2003. Good call, Jake. Damn, I remember having a conversation with him at the gym. I really? knew he was military and I thought he was Air Force. He's, we had... he's still in that kind of shape? Oh, yeah. He still wrestles. Oh, he's, he's still looking... on the circuit? Yeah. The WWE? Yeah. But he's look at wrestling. his neck back in the Army days. Like, <laughs> his freaking then. neck, yeah. it's just like yeah, that collar's almost squished up between <laughs> his neck and his freaking shoulders. It's crazy. In 1999, after graduating from Missouri Valley College, he joined the Army and qualified for its world-class athletes program, stationed in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Lash, Lashley trained in the Olympic training camp there, where his workout included brisk walks up Pikes Peak. Wow. <laughs> he became a two-time Armed Forces champion, won a silver medal at the 2002 Conceal International du Sport Militaire. International Military Sports Council World Games. He got out in 2002. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, Good call. he's, he's, he's a big dude, man. He is a big dude. How tall do you think he is? Is he your height? He's a little taller than me. Probably 6'2", six, 6'1". Six, Dang, man. Yeah, he's big. Nice guy, though. We'll talk to you. Say hi. No oh, problem. That's good. He's a good dude. All right. Mike Anderson, running back for the Broncos. Uh, pro career was eight seasons, 2007. Uh, he was offensive rookie of the year, 4,000 rushing yards, 42 touchdowns. My turn. Your turn. Definitely maybe. <laughs> Jeez, man. If you don't get us notoriety, I don't know what. Uh, you're going to get canceled before we started. I'm going uh I'll go Air Force. Mike Anderson. I don't have a picture of him in the military. I searched high and low. I could not find him. But Mike Anderson was in the Marines. Oh, Mike. <laughs> From 92 to 96. Uh, since he didn't participate in sports in high school, Mike Anderson wasn't on anyone's radar, so he bypassed college to join the Marines. He was a comm specialist who was deployed on peacekeeping missions to Kenya and Somalia while also playing on the Marines contact football team. Wow, that's cool. Is that when you played in Turkey? Was it known as a contact football team? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all the Air Force, but Lake and Heath, all the yeah. you know the German bases. But they were called con, they were called contact football teams, I guess. Or well, it was just full. Teams. It was full contact. Yeah. 
I didn't know if that term was in there, in there or not. So in Turkey, though, where when I played, it wasn't a traveling team. Like Lake and Heath, Spain, Oh, yeah. We played yeah. intramural. Kind. Okay. They were okay. traveling around playing each other. Well, while he was playing uh, with the Marines, he was seen by an assistant coach from a JUCO, which kickstarted his college football career that ended after two years at Utah, and then he got drafted. Very cool. Nice. So, almost done. Alejandro Villanueva. Offensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know this one, too, because I've seen his story. Yeah. yeah. He played six seasons from 2014 to present. Uh, two-time Pro Bowler, played 80 games. His thing was the big when uh, what's his name was kneeling. Everybody yeah, was. He, he didn't kneel. He didn't right. kneel, and he was right. standing and show respect. So, I actually it says to present, but I think he, I think he finished in twenty one. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's playing anymore either. Yeah, I think he's. I think he got out. He he was done in two thousand twenty one. So, but whose choice is it? What's the score? Jigs. Oh, still, oh it's three, three two. two. Yeah, Jake's oh, got me by two. one. Oh, 3-2 Jake. Yeah. Oh, and Eric knows this one. Oh, and Eric knows it. And it's my turn to go first. I thought yeah, I went. Like, I thought I said Air Force first last time. No, because he knew last time. Yeah. Right? Um, and then you picked uh, the Bronco from last time. You you said. Mike uh, Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm going Army. He's Army. Alejandro Villanueva was Army. Yeah. From 2010 to 2013. Good looking fella. Yeah. He attended West Point where he played both offensive line and at receiver. (laughs) Wouldn't have seen that. (laughs) Maybe a tight end. Hmm. Uh, After going drafted in 2010, Villanueva was commissioned in the Army as a second lieutenant. He had three separate deployments to Afghanistan for a total of 20 months before being signed by the Eagles in 2014. So. Was he a Ranger? Is that the beret? Is, is the Ranger no, beret? That was, that was during that period of time when they made all the Army wear berets for that couple of years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They okay. switched every because that was supposed to be a Ranger beret. But they said, yeah, no, that's what I thought too. that color, the whole Army's going to get. All right. And everybody's like, are you effing kidding? And then they changed it back to Realizing how bad. When you were in the army, did you wear a beret, Marty? No, no, no. I wore a raspberry beret. Thank you. (laughs) I know where you find it at. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last. Lacey Evans. Do you know World War WWE at all? Lacey Evans. I do not know her. He's a pro wrestler. Her career was 2014. I think she's still wrestling. She was a one-time heavyweight champion. Number 23 on the PWI female 100 in 2019. He was Air Force. Oh, bold. Yeah. She's got a pretty face. Had to be Air Force. We're we're four to three. This has got to be for all the money, right? I'm I'm going Navy. Oh. Lacey Evans was. I should should let you guys change your answer. You're going to kick yourself. She was a Marine. Ooh. I, like I, <laughs> I leaked that way, and I'm like, yeah. He is standing tall, man. He was a Marine, Marine. from 2009 to 2014. Sorry, she was a wrestling state champion in high school. Lacey Evans enrolled in the Marines soon after graduating in 2009 and was signed, assigned, Eric, to the special reaction team. The group that is responsible for security at bases when they're under threat or hostage situations. Very cool. While in the Marines, Evans obtained her bachelor's degree, started her own construction business, and began her pro wrestling career on the independent circuit. When I read that, I was like, you know, these people who, who, some of the people who make it big, and you go, oh, they started from early on. Because... The last thing you want to do in the military is like, hey, whose house are we going to go drink? And she's starting a business. She's a wrestling career. She's getting her degree. I'm like, God dang, no wonder she's yeah. successful. Have you guys heard of the, the, the Linus program? The Linus? Lioness. The you know, female lions, lioness. Oh, lioness. Program? No. Yeah. No. What's so 
they started picking uh, female military women who were able initially, because it's become a lot more extensive, my understanding, um, where they would have military women standing by to do searches of potential bad guys, which were women. So men... So it started as that, and oh, now so they've become. She was women searching women, kind of. Thing. Yeah, and then it's turned into um, women military becoming operatives, where they are embedded oh. as, you know, agents to target and spy. And but there's actually a new show called um, Lioness on, again, Paramount Plus, uh, and it talks shows about. Shows these women being embedded as don't go, don't go there. <laughs> Showing them being embedded with you know a potential target of the U.S. and it's specially designed by CIA, but it's an actual program because I googled it and uh, so they called it after the actual program. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I, I had no I, no idea, but it's called the Lioness program. Well, I heard there's a program on OnlyFans called the Lioness and the Bear. <laughs> I have no no comment. I can't confirm nor deny. That's found on OnlyFans <laughs> you have Plus. To, you, have to, <laughs> you have to pay seven ninety nine to see that. Woo! Look at that. <laughs> I know. Look at her. Not bad, right? Lacey's bombing it. Yeah, Lacey Evans, like the crab baby. Yeah, that's super impressive, man. Yeah, it really like, is. Yeah, her career and everything. No joke. Man. So that's her. I would. I don't really know any of the female wrestlers. In fact, I, I haven't know known any wrestlers for about forty years. So. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that was a long. That was longer than I thought. <laughs> that was fun though. But I think that's uh, rounds complete and a mission, and end up, fellas. Oh, end up. Oh, okay. End up. End up. On behalf of all of us here, I'd like to thank you for listening today. Please like, share, and subscribe, and let us know how we did in the comments. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more service headline news. Man, thanks for the week, and I'll see you next week. Shout out to my OnlyFans account. <laughs> yeah, for all your tactical broad chafing videos and research purposes only. Go to Mr. History's OnlyFans account. 50% off for the next two weeks. Your subscription is free. For <laughs> <month. laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>